Master Tavern Keepers, History of the Old World. And so it was, one sunny summer morning in 1432, that the newly anointed General Mehemed Bey stood at the prow of a ship called the Darkest Jackal, the flagship of an armada of corsair vessels bound for the Sorcerer's Islands. He was the leader of the invaders, but it was the tall, thin, shadowy figure at his shoulder, dressed from toe to turban in black, the sorcerer Jafar, in fact, who was the true architect of events. The journey would not take long, around three days, but it was three days too long for the general, for despite Mehemet Bey's fearless reputation, he was not comfortable on the sea. Indeed, so much so that as they entered deeper water, he is quoted as having said, the sea is a boundless expanse, whereon the great ships look like tiny specks. Nought but the heavens above and the waters beneath. Man at sea is but a worm on a bit of wood. Ach, I can certainly relate to that. Where did you find that little gem then? This quote comes from the margins of the logbook of the Corsair captain of the flagship of the Armada, a man we only know as Amru Reis, which means uh, Captain Amru, by the way. And it is only from reading one of these old logbooks, which I found in a bookstore in Kofa, that I know anything at all for certain about the invasion. Official histories either omit it completely, or it is mentioned as nothing more than a uh, footnote. Ah, but speaking of footnotes... The ship, the Darkest Jackal, from which this logbook came, would continue to plough the seas until it was sunk during the events leading up to the Rape of Kofa nearly two decades later. I can only assume that somehow the ship's logbooks survived that and ended up in the shop where I found them. Well, anyway... Let me not get distracted with prattle. Oh, no, 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 Master Tavernkeeper. Such things are still of interest to even us. Ah, thank you, Heinrich. You are very generous. But please, let us now listen to the words of Amru Rees as they speak to us from 130 years ago. I'll quote him directly, but first, before I do, there is just a single thing I want to mention with regards to the dates that appear in the log. Amru used the Varenian calendar for the dates, much as we do here in uh, Tylea and in Estalia. But he then used our imperial calendar for the year. I do not know the reason why, but uh, I just wanted you to know. Anyway, let us begin. <laughs>
Captain's Log. Il calendario vedendo. Il primo me sembre. Imperial Calendar. 1432. As we hauled anchor and pulled away from the chain bridge, there was an easterly wind blowing off the city, and the sea was most pleasant. Our guest didn't seem to notice, though. The scowl never once left Mehmet Bey's face. He is no mariner, it seems. And the dark sorcerer soon left the deck to go below, back to his scrolls and arcane artifacts. I found the two, both inscrutable and a little bit uncomfortable to be around. That said, there is something about Jafar that hearkens me to him. I do not know if it is charisma or magic. We cleared the Bay of Corsairs by dusk. Captain's log. Il calendario vereno. Il due mesembre. Imperial calendar. 1432. Again, a pleasant wind with a swell from the northeast. The sorcerer was on deck today, preparing a series of stone jars for the invasion. He's got them lined up like a row of cannons at the aft of the ship. Their purpose completely eludes me. We made good progress today. The wind was with us. We are close to reaching the sorcerer's islands, but Mohammed Bey has ordered the armada to be split up into four. Jafar has put each of these fleets under the command of some of his desert fakirs, and these two have rows of stone jars. What are they up to? Captain's log, il calendario vereno, il due mesembre. Zalam, Imperial Calendar, 1432. Kamar, the Blessed, clearly smiles upon our endeavor, for, by the light of her full moon, the four quarters of our armada made their way into position without being detected, ready to strike against the duplicitous sorcerers of these islands come first light. Vengeance for the dead of the Shining Dome is nigh. Supplemental The mysterious jars are now no longer a mystery for me. I saw the sorcerer uncork one by torchlight. Out poured a stream of glittering water from which rose up the unnerving sight of a salt devil. I leapt back in fear, but the sorcerer did not even flinch. Instead, he commanded it. I have never seen the like. Later, I overheard part of the conversation between Mehmed Bey and Jafar. It seems like the water jinn are acting as messengers for the sorcerer in order to communicate with the other fleets. We are ready to attack at dawn. Captain's Log, Il Calendario Veneno. Il tre mesembre. Imperial calendar, 1432. Glory, glory for Jafar, and vengeance for the Sheik. We attacked at dawn, as one, each fourth of the fleet, upon each of the four islands of sorcerers. 
From reviewing the reports I now have in my possession this evening, it appears that the first island to fall was Alaba. Upon this isle, we encountered the sorcerers who specialize in earth magic. Our boats landed on the beaches and disgorged both the Sultan's bowmen and our very own corsairs. The sorcerers were waiting, though. They walked steadily towards our men. As they approached, it was clear that they had performed some form of sorcery upon themselves. The bowmen darkened the sky with arrows, but although many found their mark, they did not even leave a scratch upon the impervious, rock-hard skin of our foes. Onwards the sorcerers came, each carrying a pair of thirsting blades. What could we do against men that we could not even harm? Nothing. The assembled warriors simply waited to be cut down. But then, the fakirs of Jafar entered the fray. They called upon the magics of water and drew moisture up from the ground beneath the feet of the stone mages, turning it into quicksand. Before our very eyes, the sorcerous foes sank away into the very ground beneath their feet. Some of the sailors even claimed they saw sandy hands stretch up from below to drag their prey down to their deaths. Their screams filled the air before being smothered and silenced. The remaining elderly sorcerers and their supplicants in the interior of the island soon surrendered and were taken away in chains. The next island to fall was Altalata. This is the island of the devotees of water. But we were prepared. Jafar had assigned some of his own warriors to this offensive, the Nafatun. These men and women throw ceramic pots of flaming naphtha at their enemies, an innovation of the sorcerer. These fierce zealots are led by champions who carry something called a siphon, which spits out short plumes of roaring flame, yet another invention of Jafar. It was these Nafatun that won us the Isle of Altarata. As our boats rowed out towards the beaches of the island, leaving their war dows to provide a perimeter around the bay, we were once more greeted by sorcerers on the shore. These stood beside great stone jars. As our men got nearer, these were opened and outpoured sparkling waters that quickly gave rise to a pack of salt devils. The sea nymphs streamed across the beach towards our rowing boats, hitting the water with a leap and a bound. Only to reappear again around our incoming vessels. The Corsairs hauled up their oars and swiped at the fiendish maidens, forcing them to keep their distance. In response, the salt devils enchanted the waters around each boat, encasing them in ice. 
The invasion should have been over then, but for the Nafatun. Their leaders stood and walked out onto the frozen water to face the water-bound Jin, brandishing their siphons as they did so. They poured flame onto the sea nymphs, causing them to steam and hiss, and, as one, and to the surprise of many, they fled, diving deep into the ocean and leaving their masters on the beach. It was now the turn of our corsairs to return to the fore, and the oarsmen moved to the edge of the ice-trapped boats, dipped their oars into the water, and began to row anew the drums on each, pounding out a steady rhythm. The boats came ashore safely, but the fakirs of Altalata were waiting for us. They drew upon their powers to turn the ground between me and they to quicksand. It did not help them, though. The strong-armed Nafatun ran forwards and hurled their pots of naphtha at their magic workers with unerring accuracy. Each found its mark, although many of the throwers tumbled into her quicksand upon launching their projectiles. Each fragile ceramic pot burst into flames upon impact, covering the unfortunate with a sticky molten liquid that clung to them with unquenchable flame. Panic swept through the sorcerer's lines and burning men and women tumbled about, spreading the fires to their brethren. The luckiest tumbled into the quicksand they'd conjured and drowned, but most were burned alive. Those unaffected fled in a panic, only to surrender later when our forces caught up with them. With these successes, half of the sorcerer's islands had fallen to us, but the fighting to come was to overshadow these skirmishes in both blood toll and in devastation.